Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. So here we are today, and we haven't done a podcast. We're all in one room for a while. It's true. Yeah, we've been using the the beautiful internet, right? The magic of the magic <laughs> the virtual of rooms. So we're here from the uh, the Sunspot Secret Lair uh, <laughs> to do today's podcast, and it's me and Wendy, and you haven't talked to her since the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference, but also right? joining us today is. Lisa Van Busker. That's right. That's right. Uh, Our partner in crime at the Milwaukee Paranormal Convention, which was, I think, episode 37, I want to say. <laughs> Actually, it was episode 43, and you can find that at othersidepodcast.com slash 43. Okay, but you can go back and, and, and get catch <laughs> catch from the archives so you can see a little That's bit right. of that. But uh, no, Lisa's joining us again today, and we're all in a halloween mood because we're just days away from everybody's favorite holiday, it, Christmas for Weirdos. The high yes. holy days, as I always refer <laughs> right. to them as. <laughs> yes, right. the countdown is on. The countdown to candy and costumes. And and one, don't forget mischief. Lots and lots of mischief. That's and, right. And we'll be talking about some of that mischief today. But let's talk a little bit about the Halloween-y stuff we've been up to. Wendy, we were just in Rockford, uh, Illinois. Yes, we were. The, the birthplace of Cheap Trick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and you guys might remember a song that we wrote for one of our episodes, which was... Um, I was a teenage zombie, mm-hmm. and is also the theme song for the Dedersons web series. Yeah, like a YouTube, YouTube sitcom. Yeah, and so we went down there, and they filmed a video for the song. The stars of the show were in the video and everything, so we'll look forward to that coming out yeah. soon, and hopefully. On our, our Facebook and Twitter, you can see it's facebook.com slash sunspotmusic. You can see the pictures of us in the makeup and everything in full color. Right. Like, <laughs> the video is going to be in black and white, So, but you'll see how... It was a weird, it was like very green. Oh yeah, extremely. It's like how you, you'd picture... Frankenstein. Yeah, like a Frankenstein look. It, it wasn't the kind of zombie, so if you guys have seen Dawn of the Dead, the zombies are all pretty much blue in that movie. Like, so, like they're mm. so blue, they're almost like alien, like they look like aliens. Like Smurfs? Yeah, like Smurf <laughs> zombies. Like Smurf zombies that just eat your brains. And these were really cute Frankenstein zombies. <laughs> yes, they were. They were more the cute, like, the they zombies were. versus... It's mild. There's a, there's a game on the phone or whatever you can play called Zombies versus Plants. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look like the zombies from Zombies like versus Plants. Like fun little happy zombies. Yeah, like nobody's like... Rah! Like, it's not really terrifying. They're, they're fun. They're fun bees. Right. We like fun zombies. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. It's a, it's a little little different. So you'll, we'll, uh, we'll link to that, Dedersons. Yeah. And that was fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and, actually. And you guys... The two of you recently had an adventure. Oh, yes, we did. Oh, we did. I, I almost forgot about yes, that. Yes, and I haven't really heard too much about it, so maybe you guys can tell a little about what you did. It was pretty fantastic, I thought. So why don't you, why don't you, why don't you talk about it for a sec, Lisa? All right, I was going to go anyway, having been raised very Catholic and probably consider myself recovering Catholic. But anytime there's a big event, I will go. So we had a saint here an 11-year-old girl, St. Maria Goretti. Mm-hmm. And it was her 125th birthday that she was brought to the church here, and she was out for viewing for 22 okay. hours. So when you say an 11-year-old girl, and it was her 125th birthday, so what you're saying is that she was not 
a living 11 year old girl yeah she remained she remained 11 years old Aww, forever oh that's so sad Let's say, but, but uh, it, it, we had a big birthday bash for did you bring cake and like we had to wait to get in stuff. the line was forever so a lot of people were there to view 13,000 went to see I think 13,600 wow. people bust because which for Madison that's that's well, substantial that, that is a big deal but the thing is the church is named St. Maria Goretti so it's named after this okay saint. and she was her church she was sainted in the 1950s and uh, she died in the early 1900s there was a like a, the next door neighbor or one of the farm workers that worked on their family farm Mm-hmm. Sexually assaulted and killed her. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Well, that that part is terrible. But what happens is why she became a saint is on her deathbed. She said that I forgive him, and I hope that we're together forever in heaven. Yes, she did. This is that's these these are saints. I'm, sorry, I'm just sitting here with a weird expression of. I confusion. Share, <laughs> I, I share your expression and confusion. When I knew she was coming, I read up on her. Okay. Because I'm like, I'm so going yeah, to see this. And it's an interesting story. And then I read it, and the whole part about the grown neighbor assaulting her and killing her made me very angry, which I see in your face right now. Well, it's disgusting, but... Yeah. But the, I mean... The and then just for a child to say something so mature and, I mean... Well, well that was the idea. That's, she's, she's got a saintly level of forgiveness. Okay. In her, and then later on, the the attacker he repented. He he said that he saw he had visions of her when he was in prison. Mm-hmm. She came to him, and uh, she had like the number of flowers in her hand for the sa- fourteen. She was stabbed fourteen times. She had oh fourteen gosh. white lilies. And that see, was if I were symbolic. her, I'd, I would only be hiding and trying to scare him. I wouldn't be showing up with flowers. I'd be. <laughs> well, that's why there's no Saint Wendy, right? <laughs> And I hope there never will be. <laughs> Thanks. So, but I mean, so the thing, so if, if you guys um, aren't, aren't Catholic, just to kind of let you know, uh, in Catholic, you get, you get the Holy Trinity, that's God, JC, Jesus, his son, and the Holy Spirit that kind of, kind of, the Holy Spirit is the, uh, the glue that holds that Trinity together. Now, those are the big three, and that it's, it's supposed to be three things in one. So God is still one person, but... Big God with the, with the beard and like touching the finger of Adam that you always think about, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all they all represent different faces of the same thing. Saints are people that exhibit really godlike attributes mm-hmm. like forgiveness, like mercy, like performing miracles that humans can't perform. And so you don't pray to saints; you pray to a saint to pray for you. Okay. So saints can't grant you like. People would come up, they pray to the saint, and they, they hold up like a piece of paper they give you. And just by touching the coffin that the, the body is in, because she's covered in wax, it's a skeleton covered in wax. And it's like glass, isn't it? So you yeah, can actually... it's a glass oh, coffin. Wait, she's tiny, and I have to say her skeleton is inside this wax figure. But the wax figure is actually very pretty, I thought. Oh, yeah. so it's just... It's, it's, it's pleasing to look at. It's like a wax museum. It's not... I mean, it's not an like the... Skin and everything is not absolutely. Okay. That's a pretty okay. wax figure. Didn't you know that Madame Tussauds, all the all the wax figures have, have the skeletons, skeletons underneath? <laughs> like, where do you? But think, some of those people are still alive. Where do you My think famous I people? Know. Well, you think they're still alive. Where do you think they go? Oh man! Right. So you know you, you scandal. T- you if you touch if you touch Michael Jackson's wax figure, you can dance. <laughs> You've done that, haven't you, Wendy? <laughs> I heard about your thriller. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. So um, anyway, anyway. Coming up on Saturday. So it really, 
it really is a a, a very powerful experience because everyone's very devout. Um, that would be very serious, and, and it it is very in, it's very interesting. I found it very moving. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Very moving. And I was telling my mother about it. My mother's a big Catholic. Oh, she must have been so happy for you. And she well, she was like, oh, that's great, and. Uh, and, but she said that, you know, now St. Maria Gretti became a saint in the 50s. So when she was a little girl going to Catholic school in Milwaukee, she would hear these stories about oh, the miracles. Okay. So she was kind of in the know when they were deciding whether or not Maria Gretti would be a sh- saint. Oh, that's cool. So it was like a news topic. Right. And when yeah. they were talking about it, it was terrifying to her because she was a little girl and she just kept on imagining being stabbed, Aww, you know, 14 times. That's so sad. So... Uh, but no, people pray to the saint, and they pray that the saint will pray to them for healing. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is that God gives the saint like special yeah. attention, like, okay, Maria, I'll do a favor for you because you forgave your attacker sure. or whatever. She's a trustworthy, so it's like you want her on your side, right? Trying to so lobby you, so for you her. Pray just like people wear the Saint Christopher medal and Saint Christopher the Patron Saint of Travelers. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to pray to God. You pray to him to pray to God to kind of he's like the inter- intermediator. Yeah, he can't do things for you, but. He knows a guy. He can amplify. Can. He's he your can, guy. The saints are. Hey, I got a guy. The middle you got man. a problem. I got a guy. Talk to me. And I, I, you know, I'll uh, I'll talk to the big guy, All or right. the big girl. We don't know who it is. So, the big presence. And the big presence in the sky. So either way, uh, it was a, it was a pretty fun thing to do. It was, and like all good events at a Catholic church, we had to go get alcohol afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true, sister. You was, had to. I there, mean, it was like it would be disrespectful of the church not to. Since totally. there wasn't communion, we had to go to La Tigre afterwards. Nice. Oh, <laughs> you know how it goes. Place. That's great. I loved it too. But um, all right. So that that was just a little bit of interesting kind of, and it's not a cult because it's Christian, but it's certainly a mystical Definitely. kind of thing that we did. And that was fun. Very cool. So, all right. Enough chit-chat on the topic for this week. That's right. This week is a big week. It is a big week. Number one, because Halloween is uh, this weekend. That's right. And it's on the weekend, which is extra trouble, especially in Madison, where people like to get rowdy. And it's also extra trouble because it's daylight savings time. So the bars are open another hour. Yes, we need that extra hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so watch yourselves as you go out, because if you usually pace yourself to two o'clock, if you reach a certain point and go to three, I mean... Oh, oh, no. We've been like, there. We don't want to been there as a, as a band. Not cool. had to perform a lot of nights on daylight <laughs> savings times, and everybody paces themselves for bar time at two o'clock. Right. But if you don't pace yourself and all of a sudden there's another hour, just think about that before you go out. Check your watch. Yes. Okay. And but it's also another, another night is this week, one that isn't commonly talked about. Depends where you're from. It That's right. Where you're from. And what so, night is that? It would be Devil's Night. Devil's That's right. Night. And it's special for Lisa. Because it's also my birthday. <laughs> she was born on Devil's Night. Yeah, Lisa, in Detroit. <laughs> in Detroit, the, uh, so, the spiritual home of Devil's Night, we should so say. So like, if this were the state fair, then you'd be the, the state fair, um, the, the Dairy Queen. Or what's the... <laughs> we don't do dairy you'd in be the, I mean, Detroit. <laughs> right. No, but I'm making the Wisconsin... You'd be the Devil's Knight, the Cornhusker um, Queen, or the. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, be the, the I am the not queen. the Dairy Queen. But Alice, Alice in Dairyland. Alice in Dairyland. So you'd be I was like say the Blizzard Alice queen. in Devilland. Or I'll be I'll be Alice in Devilland. I will be Whoa. the Queen of the Devils. Ice cream cakes for all. Put <laughs> uh, <laughs> all this guy on that weird. Time. Okay, uh, but the, right, she is the May Queen uh, yes. in October, and. <laughs> 
So, I mean, devil, if you guys don't know what it is, you know, uh, in the United States, we have a custom. When kids go out, they trick or treat for candy. They, they dress up in costumes. And we talked a lot about this last year when we talked about how autumn was the traditional to, uh, especially to pagan and Wiccan cultures. I mean, I guess Wiccan is a, is a modern uh, name for older pagan cultures. But pagan, it was the thinning of the veil between the other world and this world. And that's why... You had to dress up so when the monsters came out, they didn't know, you know, like, oh, hey, buddy. You know, it wasn't like, hey, it's a human. Let's mess with them. It was like, hey, check this guy out. Uh, he's, one of our, he's one of us. So when kids dress up and they go door to door, they say trick or treat. Now, we don't do a lot of tricks anymore because most people just give us. Most people are boring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. And I want to trick some kids this time. Right. And, I always trick them on Halloween. Well, <laughs> you're one of those. Oh yes, I am. <laughs> well, the, well, the thing is, is that um, I mean, there's always the good houses to go for trick or treat, where they'd be like full yeah. size candy bars. You'd be like, oh, full size candy or, bars. Like, I love you. Or some people will give you a dollar. That was, that was my favorite. I love those. I'll just take the cash, please. <laughs> Did you guys have a dentist in your neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dentist would give you an apple or something. No, you get a toothbrush. Oh, no. A That's a trick. They're, they're, I always had a dentist in my neighborhood and an Avon lady who'd give you a candy and then give you a little piece of makeup and she'd go, and this is for your mother. Oh, isn't she smart? <laughs> That's clever. Yeah. But I always despised when people gave us apples or oranges. I'm like, why would I want this? Right, I can get Come I can on. get this anytime. Like, you know, my mom isn't gonna buy me a whatchamacallit right. every day. You're Twix. Well, see, back in Detroit when I was growing up, we didn't get fruit because there was a little string of people putting razor blades in them. Well, oh, yeah, that's and, nasty. And so all you could get was wrapped candy. Yeah, Ugh. and that my mother would always go through um, my inspect. You know. My mother comes up on this podcast all the time, but she uh, she, <laughs> she is a very she, popular topic. She would she loved to read horror stories, not like Edgar Allan Poe, but like whatever was in the news. So when you talk about razor blades oh, and pins so and everything, nonfiction. And candy, she would just she's a, a voracious newspaper reader. So she, whatever story would happen, it could be something like thirty years. She'd be like, in the late eighties, we had to worry about children's Tylenol. If it wasn't in a gel tab, people were poisoned by that, you know. And you just, you know, it'd be little. Th- and so she would remember all of that. So she'd check the candy. If it wasn't wrapped, it would go in the trash. Yeah. Well, that's if it wasn't wrapped, it would go in the trash. That's good diligence, it, I no, think. No, it's prudent. But it I'm be, seeing good bacteria. candy go in the trash. I'm freaking y- out. You a probably bit. didn't need that extra piece or two. <laughs> right. <I'm sure. laughs> When you think about that, now think about doing that now. Like we're all adults, I know, I know. but think about just having a gigantic bag of candy and just eating it one night or one to two days. Gosh. Like no, not me, man. I ration that off. I have a when I have like half a bag of M and M's. People look at me like, "What are you, pig? Are you gonna are you gonna share those?" I'm like, "When I was a kid, is all we did." I know it's pretty crazy. It's a lot of. A lot of sugar. So the thing is, there's trick or treat, and the treat part is what most people focus on. But on October 30th, there's a tradition of the tricks part. Did you guys ever do a trick on Devil's Night on October 30th? No. Oh, my goodness. Of course I did. Oh, see, okay. that's why we have Lisa here. Okay. Lisa, <laughs> what, was, what was your first one? The only thing I was thinking about this, when I was, I was born on Devil's Night, of course, and I will be 50, so Devil's Night in Detroit started about the same time I did in Detroit. Whoa, coincidence? Okay. Sure. Yeah. I think not. She I was like a little not. baby. She was out there like tossing pumpkins at people's houses. And <laughs> right. <laughs> Lighting fires. But when I was um, when I was growing up and not maybe 10 or 8, back then when you're like 10 or 8, you could run around the neighborhood unsupervised. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. 
And we would go out on devil's night from, we'll say like junior high and the high school escalated maybe a little bit, but I remember soaping windows on cars. You'd mm. go out with a bar of soap. Naughty. Oh, and I remember <laughs> ringing the doorbell and running, playing oh, ding dong ditch. Ding dong ditch. Ironically, we did it to our neighbors we liked the most. <laughs> <laughs> and there was egging, but... I don't know if it was my dad or someone made it very clear that if you throw eggs at a car, it will ruin the paint job. Uh-huh. So we never did that. And there was toilet papering. And then maybe this happened when I was in college a little bit. I discovered saran wrapping cars. Ooh. Oh, that, that's a good one, too. That's a very good one. You see, one. And, and those are like, I, I remember the pranks I pulled. It wasn't even much, like a couple of TP, a couple of TPing of trees. There was some wax crayons on driveways, and so oh, you do like that. melting them? Well, what? you just use wax crayon on a driveway and put some kind of message on it, and hard to clean off. Yeah, it's hard to clean off. Mm. It takes a few days. Like you have to, like you can't just soap and water it, and it wouldn't even be anything that offensive. Like I would just say silly things like "You're a poo poo head." <laughs> Happy like, Halloween. I'm like, like you've been, <laughs> right. you got waxed by Mr. Boffo, <laughs> like something silly, like that. <laughs> wax. You know, and it wasn't even, you oh know, that gosh. destructive, but it was a little bit wax crayons. I don't think we did. I don't know if we did any eggings, but uh, I just did it a couple of times and it was just goofy. And he's like, well, I know we're not really destroying anything. So it wasn't that, <laughs> that big of a deal. That's not quite as uh, innocent as how a lot of it goes down. Now, if you guys, I think a lot of the people who ha- are listening today have probably seen the movie The Crow. Yes. Yep. Um, it's a good one. Uh, I mean, the crow deserves an episode of its own because yeah. of the what happened around there and Brendan Lee's death and, and and the whole thing. And when we were in college, everybody was the crow for Halloween. <laughs> People love dressing like the crow for Halloween. Oh, I bet you did. <laughs> and uh, great movie, uh, but it takes place in Detroit, and the uh, the characters are murdered on Devil's Night, and then he comes back a year later and for revenge. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, because he, he comes back <laughs> to take out the people that killed him. Is there any other reason to come back? <laughs> right. Fair uh, enough. So, fair like, enough. The, if you guys have seen The Crow, then the destruction that's caused by that group who are, like, yelling, fire it up, fire it up, that is kind of the, the biggest, I think, media depiction of a, of, a, of a Devil's Night kind of mischief making where they're starting things on fire, beating people up, and... Um, murdering musicians so, that like to paint their faces. So not not little harmless pranks is what you're saying. No no there was no then nobody nobody got waxed by Mr. Boffo. Nobody got waxed by Mr. Boffo. <laughs> well actually the villain in the crow was top dollar and in the movie he originally set the first fire on Devil's Night which allegedly started all the madness. Oh, okay, I didn't, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Hmm. And um and so arson was a was a big problem. I mean, in real life, not just the crow. Like, wasn't arson a, a big problem on Devil's Night? Arson was a huge problem. Like, it started from having read up about this quite a bit, right about the same time I did in the mid-60s. And then in 1967, where the Detroit riots and a lot of the city burned down, and I think that was an impetus for a lot of it. Mm. So by the mid-70s, Detroit was getting very empty. There are a lot of houses. If you have never lived in an area like that, I don't know that you can imagine it. You may have driven through it in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So burning down an abandoned house is still a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a very big deal, but it's not as big of a deal because it's like nobody's losing anything, and it may have been a crack house anyway. 
Okay. So, but there still might be there still might be people, you know, in there. I mean, think about squatters. I've seen the oh, wire. Sure. Like people like like they live in crack houses or, you know. Yeah, but the population in Detroit dwindled so much that there are so many empty mm-hmm. houses that you knew which ones were empty. You could burn them up. I don't want to say with any consequence, but with relatively little consequence. Not worrying that you'd kill wow. somebody. That's crazy. Mostly, yeah. Mostly. And unfortunately, oh. oh, if you did kill him, it was a squatter. Oh, my gosh. Not that that's in the wrong. It's very wrong. But right. Of course, of right. course. No one's defending murder, even of squatter. That's crazy, though. But back to the social media thing, any decent story or movie that has to do with Detroit will mention Devil's Night. Okay. Everything from Gross Point Blank does. There's a CSI episode. And a couple of my new favorite books I just discovered was uh, The Virgin Suicides mentions it. Oh, Jeffrey Eugenides. Yeah, he, all his stuff takes place in Michigan, I think. It does. I just read him now recently, and it's so funny because he explained things to me about Detroit I thought everybody already knew. Oh, really? Yeah. You knew it. Oh, I did. But most people, <laughs> Yeah. the average non, non-native Detroit yeah, I guess you're not used to like <laughs> a phenomenon called pink skies due to the pollution, the atmosphere being just right at night. It doesn't get dark. It's pink. Whoa, oh, that's nice. Yeah, it oh. was. It was pollution, but it was nice. <laughs> sailor's delight. No, wait. No, that's but right. <laughs> not there were no or sailors. Cough to oh. death. But even in Eight Mile, any any story about Detroit will mention Devil's Night. So you got to start looking for okay. that. Okay, that's cool. I will. So looking at it real quick, so they talk about the arson during the Devil's Night. In 2010, I mean, it seemed that the, the number of fires was 169. Which was nothing. And that's, that's crazy. Cr- that's 100, 169 in an area compared to, I mean, what, what could it have been like before then if you had 170 fires on, in, a, in a decade when it supposedly went down? Well, in 1984, which was the fine year I happened to graduate from high school, okay, in a suburb of Detroit at that point, on the other side of Eight Mile. <laughs> so you didn't know Eminem? Not personally. Okay. Of course not. <laughs> I do know where he lives now, though. Okay. Anyway, in 1984, there were 800 fires in Detroit. Jeez. So, okay, I, I have to ask now, did this have anything to do with your career path? Absolutely not. Okay. I'm a firefighter in real life. <laughs> yes. My day job is a firefighter. My fun job is giving tours for the ghost tour that's here right. in Madison. Yep, that's right. But I was curious if you're growing up and being around so many fires and seeing all that destruction from, you know, arson had yeah. any any kind of influence on <laughs> We moved out question. of Detroit when I was little enough. Oh, okay. I lived in a suburb, but it's so weird because in the news I knew this went on all the time, so no matter what we did in the suburbs it was nothing. It was just normal you'd yeah. expect to hear about all the and then houses they, burning. Then it sort of went down and then an interesting thing is in nineteen ninety four I was home for that birthday. I'd gone to college since then. Or no, I was actually a firefighter in Saginaw, Michigan that had their own bad devil's night, but I never work on my birthday. I prefer to be part of the problem that night. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah, I always say that, um, you know, I'm a firefighter and I was born on devil's night in Detroit, but I use my powers for good, not evil. Hey, all, all right. right. Good. <laughs> but anyway, no, it didn't. And I didn't understand until I moved here to Madison that not everybody celebrates Devil's Night. I knew not everybody burned everything down. <laughs> okay, good. But you figured there was still some kind of like tomfoolery that occurs. <laughs> I was deeply disappointed when I moved here, to be honest with you. This I was boring. No, I wasn't special anymore. Devil's Night, what's that? Well, that is crazy. And, and Detroit actually came up with some kind of uh, 
like a response to it in the mid 90s called Angel's Night. Wimps. That sounds, <laughs> right. yeah, that sounds well, like one of those. But it's, it's okay. But at the same time, it kind of, I mean, because also remember crime in the 70s and 80s, just across the United mm-hmm. States was like a like a, a epidemic mm-hmm. you know watch those movies from the 1970s i mean or talk about new york in the 19 like people talk like yeah everybody ran they're like i don't want to live in new york in the 19 like now it's like oh it's so beautiful it's so great well, yeah it's very romantic now to think about living in new york but back then it wasn't right back then you're thinking about death much. wish well then in the 1970s when i was growing up in and outside of detroit i knew detroit was the murder capital of the world I mean, and like you talked about your mom being scared about hearing about that. Yeah, scene. really. Jeez. I mean, we had like a kidnapper in the suburbs where I lived that kidnapped people. I knew people oh on the gosh. news died all the day. And I remember talking to someone saying, oh, I never knew anything about that. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Right. A shelter, <laughs> sheltered life. Well, I, I think I led a sheltered life yeah. in a way, but I heard about these things. You just got desensitized to it probably after yes. a certain amount of... Hearing about it, but uh, I mean, the 1990s went a lot of a lot of times when things turn around. I mean, to talk about Rudy Giuliani in New York and the the the, the broken windows thing, where they yeah. you start taking care of, of the small stuff like you know graffiti and, and broken windows on the subway and everything, and then the, the larger stuff that was the kind of start taking care of the world around yeah. you, and maybe uh, people will start taking care of it too. Um, but also, the, there was a lot less of population. There's just a lot less people to commit crimes in the 90s right. and 2000s than there yeah, were in that's the true. 70s At least in the cities. But yeah, in 1994, they had an extraordinarily bad night, the worst since 1984. So in 1995, they started Angel's Night, which I really applaud the effort, and I do believe it was needed. And I do remember hearing about this on the news that they were calling... They had a curfew, which they didn't have all the time. Yeah, like 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. or something like that. So, And they had every single firefighter working, driving around, maybe in like their own cars, every single police officer, all the city officials, and they were calling in fires on top of it. And then all the citizens were on board, too, because they eventually got sick of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, in 1980, there's 800 fires. It's like hard to to even fathom. And these are your neighbors and people you know. And And they were mostly empty houses. But I mean, but still, you're... It, it it just creates a, a, a thing of terror. Well, uh, yeah, and like, how do they manage that? I mean, you you're a firefighter. You like, how, you can't fight them all at once. You don't. It's just <laughs> well, and the other thing that really affects people is there's only so many of us to go around, so we're chasing all these fires, and there's a true emergency. Your what, resources right. are depleted. Yeah, that's that's scary. And, and and that's the tragedy of thing like that. You take yeah. something, you're like, well, we're gonna we're gonna really have a trick tonight. We're gonna set a house on fire, which is as far as pranks go, spectacular. That's a big I one. Mean, that's, a, that's a spectacular prank. Like not I'm particularly clever, but no. I mean, right. All you need is a lighter. <laughs> uh, but a little gasoline helps too. Right, to make it go a little faster. But I mean, it's certainly just. Uh, I mean, it's terrifying that, yeah. you know, people could worry about just places around them burning up just because people like to screw around. It's just, you know, it's, it's not TP. Right. It's not a harmless prank. <laughs> and to think that, you know, uh, the first reference to Devil's Night is when it was called Mischief Night. And we all, we're going to go back to 1790. You Way guys, you guys back. remember that, right? 1790, good times. Yeah. Um, like they wore a lot of weird clothes in 1792, like, cro- yeah. like cross colors. Remember that? And skids with the bibs. Yeah. Hated that stuff. Beethoven was about 20. <laughs> he was, right. And yeah. And, and, um, the wigs, it, well, you know how it goes. <laughs> it just was a different time. Okay. Anyway, 1790, we got uh, a reference to mischief night 
and a headmaster encourages a school play which ended in a quote, an ode to fun, which praises children's tricks on mischief night in most approving terms. And so mischief night was the day before Guy Fawkes Day. Okay, so who's Guy Fawkes? Uh, Guy Fawkes and the gunpowder plot. Did you guys ever see V for Vendetta? I think so. A long time ago. Okay, well, it's about 12 years old no? now. It's okay. not, yeah, it's totally. totally saw it. Okay. We, we don't really have a Guy Fawkes in the United States, but this movie, you saw people wear a certain kind of mask. Yep. And everybody would recognize it if they saw it because yep. it's become a very and popular what, symbol. Put, put a picture in the show notes. And that's, the, that's a Guy Fawkes mask. Guy Fawkes, back in the 17th century, tried to blow up Parliament. The gunpowder plot. They had, you know, they were going underneath Parliament. They were going to blow it up, but he was caught, and everybody was saved. The king was saved, and everything. And then Guy Fawkes was, of course, executed, and all his friends. So to kind of remember that in the movie, they said, "Remember, remember the fifth of November." That's that's Guy Fawkes Day, the fifth of November. Everybody wears those masks, you know, to celebrate the fact that Guy Fawkes was stopped. Yeah, yeah, it was stopped. But the day before it is when they would have the day for the kids' tricks. And so this is November 5th. Or okay. In November 5th, the Guy Fox Day. So November 4th is the day that they'd have the tricks. Mischief day. Mis- mischief day. And so you bring that over to the United States, and we don't have Guy Fox Day here, but what do we have that's within a week of Guy Fox Day is Halloween. So mm-hmm. mischief night turns into, you know, October 30th instead of November 4th. Huh. And... It's got, it's got a couple of different names. Uh, it parts of New York State and northern New Jersey. They refer to it as um, Goosey Night. Woohoo! I was going to look out behind you. I don't know what happens on Goosey Night. <laughs> but um, I, I was going to say October 30th is going to be a little bit more fun this year. All right. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, in Niagara Falls, Ontario, they referred to it as Cabbage Night. Because people would raid local gardens for leftover rotting cabbages and then hurl them about. Oh, that's nasty. I yeah. have rotting vegetables in my yard <laughs> as we speak. There you oh, go. Oh, boy. So you can have your own Look little, out, everybody. little cabbage night. And, um, she, and you just do the shot put so you can, you can really throw it. <laughs> you can cabbage night probably all the way to Sun Prairie. Oh, I can cabbage night with the best of them. <laughs> so it's also known as gate night, um, mat night mischievous night, miggy night, tic-tac night, corn night. I, I don't know where corn night <laughs> is. Trick night, mickey night. And in and, and some places in the United Kingdom, they kind of use that night. It's, it's part of their, their coming of age. It's like how boys turn to men, I guess, by uh, or and, and girls turn to women by um, doing pranks mm-hmm. on, on that mischief night. So it's something that... Uh, it's celebrating. It I don't know if you celebrate. It's not really celebrating it. Yeah, it's, destroying things. It's like a rite of passage, kind of like yeah. When teenagers go out and toilet paper and stuff, because it's they're sneaking out of the house and they're doing something. Yeah. Well, in high school, did you guys have a senior prank kind of thing? Like, did this, all the seniors get together and do a prank? Yeah, but I don't remember what it was. Obviously, it was something very impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, but I couldn't partake in a couple reasons. One, I was on the track team and I couldn't get in trouble. And two, my best friend from childhood father was the assistant principal. Oh, drat. Oh, there you're going to go. Well, I, I, my high school class didn't have a good senior prank. It was something stupid. It was like senior walkout day yeah. or whatever. And I didn't even go because I was like, well, because I, I didn't I didn't take the car to work, a car to the school that day. <laughs> So I was like, well, I'm going to have to take the bus home anyway. Like, where, where am I going to go? <laughs> where are you going to walk? Right. Like, 
I couldn't walk to the high school. The walk high school home. was 10 miles away from my house. I was like, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to walk home. So I'm that, that just blows my mind because in the tight suburban Detroit sprawl that I grew up in, I graduated with a class of 600 and a mile and a half in each direction. There was another high school that had that same population. Wow, that's sure. And I, I walked to school like a half mile. We all that's, walked. Well, then, then, then seeing you walk out there would have been perfect for you guys. It would have. We walked anyway. But the, the, the best trick that hap- happened a couple of years before I graduated, the students actually assembled a car like oh, inside the yeah. school. That's, that's cool. awesome. And like that's a good trick because it's like, first of all, requires you got to get the guys from shop to do it. You know, the kids from shop to do it, like the smart yeah. ones. Like, and you need a car. Right. And somebody's you know, got to give up their like 73 duster or whatever <laughs> to be able to, you know, put inside the shop. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So uh, anyway, but it is those rites of passage so that when you're going through your teens and you start to rebel against the world, yeah, like, lash out of it's it. It's a way you can have harmless pranks or you can, you can start fires with squatters. And it's something that, I mean, besides The Crow and also Gross Point Blank, where actually one of the characters' uh, houses was burned down, there's been some uh, other kind of depictions of it and been some horror movies about it. There's a, a slasher film called Mischief Night and uh, well babysitters being stalked and murdered kind oh, of thing that came funny. out that came out 2014 but it does have Malcolm McDowell so it's it does have the lead character from Clockwork Orange Malcolm McDowell nice. and so he's a great actor but he will also act for food so sometimes you <laughs> see Malcolm McDowell like just in the worst movie ever it's like hey it's Malcolm McDowell like I think he needed a pool you know like he'll just show up but at least he's not on any of those like lawyer ads. No, that's like, the thing. Like, Shatner has the like William Shatner. William Monopoly Shatner on those. What is he even like? He somebody must have a picture of him like with a horse or something. <laughs> because why would William Shatner make that Hupie and Abraham? And it's been on Ego. for like twenty years. It's, he is it's so young. Yeah, <laughs> it's like how did he agree to? I mean, how did he agree to letting it run that long? Right. I think like, that was three two pays ago. <laughs> I don't anyway. even think he needed to pay it so old. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super old. <laughs> but okay, so there's the movie Mischief Night, and you can probably find that on Netflix or somewhere where they have DVDs for 99 cents. <laughs> um, maybe something you're looking at. Now, there's supposed to be a movie called Devil's Night that reunites Will Ferrell and John C. Riley from what? Step Brothers. And you might know John C. Riley. He was Dewey Cox in the Walk, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, <laughs> which is a really great rock and roll biopic, like parody. And, oh, okay. And so you Wasn't get, he in that race car movie too? Bobby? Yes. Yeah. Talladega Nights. Nice. The, the legend of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Whatever. So, but Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. there's a script called Devil's Night that they, um, the film follows two men, Leonard and Gabe, who used to be best friends until a fateful October 30th destroyed their relationship. Fifteen years later, both men are forced to come together again on Devil's Night to save their town from supernatural forces. Tell me it's in Detroit, please. I I hope it's in Detroit if they even... uh, Because they can probably film cheaply there, number one. yeah, There is a lot of filming that happens in Detroit. I I didn't know if you knew that. That's a whole separate industry. They have been wooing the film industry so much. I bet, because it's a good way to get money in and get... You know, right? Well, and where else can you blow stuff up? You don't even have to build the set. No, you don't. Oh, man, 
<laughs> yeah, so there's always a film going in there. And it's yeah, called, I bet it is. It's called I Devil's Night. it is Nights. in Detroit. So, yeah, so Better be. hopefully, that I don't know, there's... The release date is to be decided, so that probably will. That may be in development hell right now. But that was fun to read about. That somebody wrote a script. Yeah, that's cool. And I'd love to get my hands on that script and check out that comedy horror movie. There's also, uh, well, have you guys seen The Purge? Yes. No. Okay. Now The Purge is kind of the same kind of thing as a, as a Devil's Night, but it takes place in a, in a future America where they let people break any law they want for one night a year. So t- for 12 hours, and the idea, I mean... So wouldn't you just lock yourself in your house so nobody comes and murders you? Hopefully I mean, you can, yes, but... People can, right. They can break in legally. What if you get stuck outside and your car breaks down? Oh, yeah, and that's the... No. the idea that I think the idea of the purge is supposed to be a social commentary based on how do you get rid of the poor people who are causing all the problems? Uh, okay. You just have a night where you let everybody kill each other. And that re- that is the, the basis of kind the movie. Of like Hunger Games, sort of. Well... No. I, a little bit because it is the kind of people killing each other for the uh, for the entertainment of yeah. wealthier people. So that that's that's there. But this is kind of like uh, it takes that Devil's Night idea and that's carries scary. it carries it to its extreme. And it was really popular a couple of years ago. I, I haven't seen it yet. You you saw it? I have seen it. It's kind of disturbing, of course. And it's oh, like good. you want to be home, you want to be locked up, but something happens to our people and they get caught outside on the worst night ever. <laughs> and there's a lot of people wearing masks and stuff, isn't of there? Of course. Okay. Because as you all know, it's easier to hurt somebody oh, yeah. if you're wearing a mask than if you're yourself that's, or on the computer even, perhaps. That's, that's, I mean, here in Madison on Halloween... Everybody dresses up and goes down to State Street and parades around, and it's like, it always gets out of hand. Not not always, but not in, not anymore. Back in the day, it. though, it often gets out of hand. And and you know, the first few years that I would go down and check it out, it's like, well, yeah, because everybody's protected by the anonymity of their costume, mm-hmm. so they're not afraid to do foolish and mean things that they <laughs> might not normally do. You know, well, and the suit does make the man. You know, when you see like, why do people dress up in in uniforms when they go to work? You know, not number one, so they can be recognized if they're working somewhere. Like, hey, that's the Jiffy Lube person. Like, let me go get them because they got a Jiffy Lube yeah. like jumpsuit or on. for safety in some right. Or if you're a <laughs> Ghostbuster, like, so people know, you know, that it's like, hey, they got the Ghostbuster uniform on. Oh, but the thing is, if you're in the uniform of a like a butcher or something like that, <laughs> or a killer, or you like Jason from Friday the Thirteenth. Right. That's why I like dressing up so much and so many different things <laughs> because you're 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 playing that character. Right, and, and so yeah. it's easier to become that. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know a good reason why a lot of us, especially why, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna go back to uh, something I just saw that Malcolm Gladwell had a had a video about school shootings a couple weeks ago, and he said like, why is this you know phenomenon happening where we're seeing these things happen all the time, and he compared it to the psychology of a riot. So in a riot. There's some people that will just break the window and steal a TV without uh, without needing to see anybody else to do it. There's some people that need to see one other person do it, and they'll do it. And there's some people that need to see two other people do it, and they'll do it. Uh. So it kind of so that's the, like the psychology of it is. So eventually, when somebody sees a hundred other people, the domino breaking effect, in, kind of. Yeah, they're like, man, there's a hundred people doing this. I might as well do it too. That kind of like school shooters. Like they might not have ever thought of that. In sure, the, the idea might not have occurred to them until they saw ever. somebody else do it. And, and then, like one person does it, like that's well, they still. Yeah. But a hundred people do it, and like this might be time for me to do it. And so I, I think hmm, that interesting devil, like these pranks and stuff. I mean, it's it's the exact same kind of thing. If it's just 
if you see your friend writing a wax crayon on a driveway, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's funny or whatever. Like, I, I do that too. Like, my limit is to see one other person writing a wax crayon, and I'll write there too. What's my limit for breaking into someone's house and stealing their stuff? Yeah, or lighting the house on fire. Yeah. Well, I think in Detroit, especially with a fire and whatever, it was expected. Clearly, after a while, it's like, devil's night, you're going to go burn something. I do not know anyone who personally ever mm-hmm. did that. Yeah, but I could see that. It's kind of like the Mifflin Street block party here where after a certain number of years of things getting out of hand, people would be like, yeah, we're going to go down and check I out know the- what, When I was in college where I went, it was called Mayfest, and it was the same version of that on a smaller really? scale. So real quick to everybody, there was a on the first Saturday in May in Madison for a long time, we had something called the Mifflin Street block party. And it was just right before exams, it was the last party where all the college students would just go off and get crazy. And please continue with Mayfest. Oh, yeah. So when I was in college, that whole riot thing, I remember, I mean, I was a, I've been called a goody three shoes because two just <laughs> didn't cut it. <laughs> but and I was there uh, at this little p- street party they had that was equivalent to that. And I remember sort of getting caught up in a little riotous behavior that didn't involve anything destructive. And I remember thinking... Why am I doing this? I would really? never do this. Yeah. And, but everybody else is. Like you got swept up in the wave of... <laughs> it's exactly what happened. And, and it involved... I don't know if I was throwing stuff, but I remember a police officer being there, and I've always been very respectful for that. And then I remember at that point, I'm like, run. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I mean, and that's the thing that... that we talk about the Mifflin Street Block Party. So in 1996, the Mifflin Street Block Party in Madison turned violent. Like they overturned a police car, set it on yeah. fire. People were throwing bottles, beer bottles the at, the, at the firefighters and stuff like I that. I was like, working that night. Were you really? It really sucked. <sighs> it did really suck. It, it did. It, it, w- it was something. And now we had performed there during the day. And then we went to perform at a different club at, in the nighttime. But so people, we had carried all of our equipment early in the day, you know, like two or three o'clock to the, to the club. And then later on, people were like, oh my God, you got to see what's happening on Mifflin Street. Like, it's going crazy. They're, and it they're was. burning it, was, it down. Yeah, it was awful. The weird thing about that is usually everybody loves firefighters, right? Everybody Yeah, loves of us. course. They didn't love us in those mentalities sometimes. And like, it's so scary. We needed protection. Yeah. They're like throwing, I remember the nicest guy I work with, Bill, He's trying to put out a car fire and people are throwing stuff yeah. at him and he's just a sweetheart. Like, he's like, I'm trying to help you guys out protect here. Protect you. Bam, bam, more stuff. Yeah, that, that disgusted me when I, because I was there and I saw people behaving that way and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, they're here well, to help these, us out. I right, mean, and, and what, these also aren't, and the people that are participating in these riots, mm-hmm. you know, and people have a, have a generic idea of who participates in a riot, right? No, these are straight up college students. These are your future well, leaders of America. Right. You know, <laughs> right. that's 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 the thing when they were talking about who's so Halloween on State Street in Madison here. State Street is our main drag right outside of the state capitol. And for a while, like MTV was coming here to shoot on Halloween. And we had like one of the biggest Halloween celebrations in the country, like 100,000 people would just come on and they'd come on to State Street. Everybody would dress up. But then things started to get out of hand. I, I always told people that if you really want to rob like uh rob a bank in any of the outlying suburbs oh, of madison gosh. that would be in the night to do it because they took police and law enforcement yeah they had to they pulled them in from all the surrounding counties so i mean i i expected them to declare like for the national guard to come in at some point they were um yeah. they were available Re- okay 
I can tell you that. But I have like I always in the very early evening I'd go out to there just because it's Halloween and I couldn't resist. It's fun. Yeah, it's cool to see all the costumes and And some of them were great. And then I mm-hmm. remember the first it got really bad that one year. And then they made it the Freak Fest where you have to yeah. actually buy attendance. Mm-hmm. So I never work Halloween, but they offered me an overtime to work on oh, the nice. street that night. And I'm like, I'm down with that. That could be fun. It was. So I'm working there. I'm standing on the street looking at all the things. And there are cops every 10 feet. And people are always fabulously hosting us. Like they have places where you can get warm, get cookies or food. Oh, that's nice. There was one empty store on State Street that was considerably large but it was all papered up in the window and they're like, you can get coffee and stuff in there. So I walked in there with my partner and I'm not kidding you. There were 200 cops. I counted waiting and there were cops every five feet outside that night. And I know the national guard was available. Uh, It was, it was, it was a serious thing. That makes me feel better though, because, because I was there when it, the year when it got really bad and I saw the like the line of of riot police with pepper like the spray coming in and I was like oh time to go gotta go (laughs) well and there's actually funny I think I have this on the old sunspot blog somewhere so like October 31st of 2000 I think five out there and I was on State Street at the very end of the night Mm -hmm. and just these lights turn on like the vehicles come out and they're just coming down the street and they're just, you get out of here. Sweep. Yeah. It was like a sweep. It was. Like a, a human sweep of getting people out of state. I'd never seen anything like it. Like that's, it's ride, yeah. ride control. Sure. But, it's crowd control. It's amazing because I have those lights set up and I have the headquarters for that whole operation is in the fire department. So I've been in there that nice. night before. So they're turning on the lights. Everybody's like cockroaches. And then what they do now is they come through with the leaf blowers, the loudest leaf blowers <laughs> man can buy. And I then didn't realize they, that. Yeah. And then the first year after it was a problem at a specific bar, they had all the horses out. Yeah, horses, I remember seeing those. Well, too. they had the horses poop in front of that specific no bar intentionally. <laughs> so there was That's a awesome. ton of poop in front of that bar. Oh, wow. So, right. So. <laughs> it, was, it was crowd control at its finest. That's Well, and, and, and the thing is, things also got better. I mean, now they yeah. have a, it's a very, like, nobody gets in trouble. There's, no. I mean, it's it's not 100,000 people, but it's also nobody's getting hurt. Yeah. No, no businesses are being destroyed. Businesses lost a lot of money. Yeah. And another interesting thing about coming in on State Street, and I know this statistically, a friend of mine was flying back from New York sitting next to a guy who was coming to Madison with no connection because it was such a wild party on Halloween. And then I also know from our paramedics, the bad year, everybody they transported to the hospital that got pepper sprayed, hurt, drunk, or in a fight Mm. was from Minnesota. Well, uh, like 20 people. Oh, what, do you expe- what do you expect from Vikings oh, fans? Oh, but they're so nice. They are, I thought about, what about yeah. Minnesota nice? Min- <laughs> they're not. Minnesota, oh. Minnesota oh. angry when drunk. It's a new thing. Oh, my gosh. That's um, funny. But they were all from out of state. I mean, oh, like the yeah. overwhelming majority was from out of state. Well, and that goes back to when we talk about Devil's Night, we talk yeah. about the riot thing, and we talk about the way you're dressed. You're dressed like a demon or a ghoul or something like that. Uh, you're not at home. It's not a place that you know. And you see other people messing like what I think your number of people you need to see to, to, to break a window or to throw a rock or a bottle goes significantly down the further and further you are away from home. I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, totally, totally. And so when we look back now, this isn't we talk about Devil's Night and really a lot of the United States Devil's Night comes from the 1930s. But this is a tradition that goes back 
Oh, I mean, let, let's go back to... Uh, Irish immigrants. Yeah, well, even further than that, let's go to Europe, because we were talking about, you talked about Mayfest, a riot, Mifflin Street Black Party in May was a riot. So uh, the night of April 30th in Germany is called uh, Walpurgisnacht. Okay, and that's the eve of the... Tight. Yeah, right? Walpurgisnacht. I feel like I'm in a World War II movie just saying it. But it's on the eve of the feast day of St. Valperga. We're talking about, we were talking about saints earlier. She was an 8th century abbess in Ger- Germania. They set up this, this night uh, for her on April 30th. And the thing is, is that in, in Germanic folklore before then, it was actually called Hexennacht, which is witch's night. Ooh. And witches' night was about um, the night that the, the witches were supposed to meet in the Hartz Mountains between the rivers Weser and Elba. And um, they take a, a, a pagan ritual and then they Christianize it by saying, okay, now we're going to make this a party for the feast of the... Uh, of, of Some Valperga. saint. Right. And so that was the day that over the centuries has witches' night has been the day that people were causing trouble and tricks. And, and, and that happens in the Czech Republic, Estonia, Finland, uh, Germany, obviously, Sweden, even the Nordic countries that are no. usually, they're usually so well behaved, aren't they? Um, and the Netherlands, well, you expect that in the Netherlands, they're all high. <laughs> just kidding. That's Colorado's the same. Um, anyway, no, we're just screwing around. But the idea is <laughs> that they have these kind of nights in Europe, and it's been a tradition that happens like in the springtime instead of here, it happens in the uh, in the fall. Interesting. Well, if you look at the witch's calendar, the Wiccan calendar, mm-hmm. they have these cross sections that are related. So it's usually just about the opposite of Salmon or Halloween is May Day. Oh, mm. you know, isn't it like about six months later? Yeah. 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 No, I can see that. Right. So it would be. Okay. Yeah, totally. There Makes you sense. go. That's, they're connected, and it all goes back to Celtic time and before when before the Christians made everything Christian, and then the Catholics decided to make it even more Christian or Catholic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's related. It is. It is. All right. Well, that's a little bit on Devil's Night. Lisa, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks yeah, for thanks, having Lisa. me. And we're going to celebrate Devil's Night and your birthday. Yes. And we're going to uh, celebrate the one-year anniversary of See You on the Other Side podcast the day after that. Yep. So we've got a big, fun, we crazy have a weekend. Big, big weekend. Ahead. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll have to uh, make sure we get lots of pictures of everybody in their costumes. Yes. And that sounds like fun. Oh. We, we won't take pictures of the rioting, though, because, you know. There won't be any. incriminating. No, no. <laughs> just kidding. No, there won't be any. That's there's right. gonna be a there's gonna be a riot on the dance floor. And that's oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Lisa. Thank you very much. A lot of the conversation today centered around the mentality of the riot. So the more you see of some kind of behavior that normally you'd think be unacceptable, like breaking windows and stealing TVs or setting police cars on fire or hurting people. The more you see other people do that in front of you, the more likely you are for your resistance to break down and do it yourself. And that's the topic that we wrestle with in this week's song. When you're constantly bombarded by images of violence and depravity and just in general humans being horrible to each other, what kind of effect is that going to have on your psyche? And what kind of effect is that going to have on the civilization that we have created for each other in modern humanity and society. That's what we explore with this week's track, Neanderthal. 
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Mischief Day! Whee! 
if you touch Michael Jackson's wax figure, you can dance. Yes. No. Okay. You got waxed by Mr. Boffo.